Today is an awesome day for us as we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So if you're joining with us online and you want to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper with us, I encourage you to grab some crackers and some juice and uh, be ready for that as that comes as well. Uh, not only do we want to uh, prepare our hearts and minds to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but we also want to acknowledge uh, that this week is a special week, especially for our country. Almost 247 years ago, uh, the United States of America became a, a nation. And uh, it's through, uh, in many ways, uh, the blessings that God has provided and uh, the people of God have provided that have made this uh, nation uh, great. But we also recognize uh, that over those 247 years, this nation has been battered and bruised in many ways. Uh, sometimes uh, that bruising comes from external attacks, uh, but we can also acknowledge that most of the attacks that we have faced have not been from external means, but they have been through internal means. And so uh, through that, it's important for us as the body of Christ, uh, people of faith, that we need to always remind ourselves, no matter what, we need to remind ourselves who our God is, and we need to remind ourselves who we are because of what Christ has done. And through that, we'll be able to pray in ways that honor the Lord and do good for those around. You know, one of the things that we acknowledge as Americans are living in this country is freedom. Uh, but oftentimes, unfortunately, even for believers, we think of freedom only in the physical sense. And though we should be greatly, uh, greatly impacted by the physical freedoms that we have in this country and be very thankful for that, there is a far greater freedom uh, that we have in Christ, and that is the spiritual freedom that Christ has given to us, uh, so much so that the Apostle Paul writes about this in Galatians 5, uh, verse 1. He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again uh, to a yoke of slavery. And the promise of freedom is given to us because of our relationship with the Lord. By grace through faith are we saved, and in the moment of that salvation, that great salvation, uh, we have been given spiritual freedom in Christ. That means we are fully and forever uh, right with our maker and praise be to God for that but yet it's that very spiritual freedom uh, that is attacked and that's why the apostle Paul says do not submit again to a yoke of slavery the very fact that Christ has liberated us meaning that there has there's nothing absolutely nothing that needs to be done to make us right with the Lord because of what he has done uh, it reminds us that it's it is attacked and Paul really talks about two ways that that spiritual freedom is attacked and guess what? We're going to face it today, and we're going to face it tomorrow. And so we need to be reminded of what those two attacks are. Those two primary attacks are legalism, meaning that we have to somehow add something to what Christ has already done, meaning that Jesus didn't do enough uh, for us that, that we have to add to it. Uh, the other attack that happens in our life is what's called license. In other words, that Christ hasn't done enough uh, in us so that we can just live however we want to live. Listen, when Christ has redeemed us by the precious blood of Jesus, that has radically changed our lives internally and externally and so we cannot have a mindset that we are free to do whatever we want no we are free to do what Christ and God has created us uh, to do and so as we think about those two attacks that we face and as we come to an awesome opportunity during our time this morning to celebrate the Lord's Supper I want to remind you that the Lord's Supper is not for just members of Charleston Baptist Church 
this is the Lord's Supper for God's people. And so if you're joining with us this morning and you're not a member of Charleston Baptist Church, that's fine. We are so thankful you're here. But if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to have one uh, passage of Scripture. It's a well-known passage of Scripture, especially as we uh, think about the Lord's Supper. That's really going to be our guide this morning. Uh, you'll see those verses on the screen. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where the Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then And so eat the bread and drink of the cup. And then he says in verse 33 of the same chapter, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And so we're going to use that passage of Scripture to help prepare us for uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And, and what I want to encourage you, there's going to be multiple things that happen this morning. Uh, we're going to read Scripture. We're going to study Scripture together. Uh, we're going to sing songs together. And, and during that time of uh, singing songs to the Lord, uh, that's an opportunity for you to pause and to reflect and to pray. And maybe during that time of singing or during that time of praying, uh, the Lord has called you to stand and do so, please do so. If the Lord has called you to come, to the, come forward to the altar, uh, I, I would just encourage you to, to have today an opportunity of just complete surrender and submission to the Lord. And so be very, very sensitive to what the Lord is asking of you in that next step of faith. And so I'm going to pray for us together. And uh, as, after I finish praying, uh, the worship team will lead us in our first song uh, this morning. Lord, we are so thankful for today. Uh, Lord, uh, we acknowledge that there have already been a few hiccups this morning, but Lord, you are in control of all those things. And so we ask that you steady our hearts and minds, let the distractions uh, get away from us. Uh, Lord, we just ask that this would be a time of sensitivity towards what your spirit is teaching us and telling us. Uh, Lord, as we gather together uh, as the body of Christ, how precious is uh, the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we want to celebrate you mightily today. We want to praise you. We want to honor you and acknowledge you in all things. Uh, Lord, during our time of just prayer, uh, Lord, bring to mind uh, and bring to our hearts those areas in our life uh, that you are addressing through the gospel. Lord, let us again be in complete surrender of what you are asking us and calling us to do, knowing that you have fully equipped us already in Christ uh, to walk the life, to live the life that you've already called us to live. Lord, we praise you in advance for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In preparation for celebrating the Lord's Supper together, we want to uh, look back uh, with thankfulness. You know, one of the blessings that we have as the people of God, especially this time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, is to, is to look back and be reminded of God's faithfulness to his people. In fact, uh, that's what the Apostle Paul writes again in verses 23 through 25 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so twice we are told uh, by the Apostle Paul, which he was given those words directly from Jesus, uh, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are to do this in remembrance of him. That word remembrance is a word that's more than just bringing something to mind. Uh, It's a word that describes being recaptured, uh, having the Lord recapture your heart and recapture your mind for all that he has done. Uh, It brings us back to an amazing event, right? And and for you and I today, as brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of us need to be recaptured by the amazing grace and goodness of our Lord? Uh, So much so that the psalmist says in Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And so this idea of remembering is an act of the will, right? There's something that's intentional. It's a reminder to us that we have a great need. And praise be to God in Christ. He has met that great need fully and finally. And the Apostle Paul talks about two ways in which uh, the Lord has done that. Uh, One, he talks about the bread, and that's one of the elements that we're going to take together uh, in just a moment. The bread represents Jesus' body. Uh, The very fact that God in his grace sent his one and only son, Jesus, in the flesh to this earth is a mighty gift, right? Uh, The scripture says in John John 1, verse 14, And the word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The very fact that that Jesus came to this earth uh, means that God loves us, right? Uh, That Jesus becoming a man, right? Uh, And that's important because Jesus never set aside his deity, his Godhead, right? He, He did add something. He added humanity, right? He came in flesh and bones. He suffered as we suffer. He has been tempted as we have been tempted, Uh, All the things that you and I experience, and many more ways, uh, Jesus also experienced. But he never set aside uh, who he was as God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells uh, bodily. And so he enters this world full of darkness and sin. He enters in our world of corruption and chaos, all those things. Uh, He meets us where we are. And notice how humanity in many ways has responded uh, to Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, uh, verse 3, uh, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we must not lose sight of how personal it is. The very fact that Jesus came into this world means that he came in this world for you, right? The scripture says, this is my body, which is for who? It is for you. The promised one, the sinless Holy Savior has come to me. He has come to you. That idea that he came for you, uh, man, I can't think of two greater words Uh, put together the very fact that my creator came for me Jesus gave his body his entire life to those who believe in him he became a man he be he shared the gospel with us he suffered for us he died for us and that's what the cup represents so not just the bread but the cup the cup represents the blood of Jesus now why the blood well the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 9 22 indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood 
And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We needed our sins forgiven, and the only way to have our sins forgiven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's through that forgiveness that our relationship with the Lord is restored. The blood represents the new covenant of God's amazing uh, grace. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6 says this, Surely he has borne our grief, speaking of Jesus, and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so as we, in just a moment... Uh, take the elements of the bread and the cup. We are reminded of the body of Jesus, but also uh, the blood of Jesus, to know that all things that are required for us to be right with God are fulfilled in him. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So today we are thankful that we get an opportunity to celebrate Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to enter into a time, a personal time of prayer, uh, just expressing gratitude to all that Jesus has done in our past. And so again, during this time of prayer, I would encourage you to just be sensitive to what the Lord is encouraging you to do. Uh, you can pray where you're at. The altar again will be open for you to come and pray. And, and after several minutes uh, of just spending time with the Lord, uh, our worship team will lead us in our next uh, hymn of praise. And so again, take this opportunity. Uh, to just rest before the Lord and just express either uh, with words out loud or words within your heart uh, just how thankful you are for the finished work of Christ. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to just pause and to uh, reflect on your goodness, uh, to be thankful. And Lord, if we're honest, uh, for some of us, that quiet time with you is, is so foreign to us because we're so busy doing things. So Lord, let us be reminded that some of the joy that we have as followers of Christ, the great joy that we have is just spending time with you. And so Lord, we just are thankful for the finished work of Christ and we're thankful for the opportunity uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Uh, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, your continued faithfulness amongst the people who are oftentimes uh, very unfaithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue to prepare our hearts uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, uh, we want to look around with examination. And this looking around is an, is an upward examination, an inward examination, and an outward examination. And we see this in verse uh, 27 and 28. The scripture says, Whoever therefore eats the bread uh, or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner uh, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And there's two very important observations that come from these two verses. One of those observations is that of examination. Uh, the scripture says, let a person, or let each person, examine himself. That word examine talks about the, the importance of examination through trial by asking and answering a bunch of questions, right? You know, if you think that your child has done something wrong, you tend to ask a bunch of questions, right? Because you want to make sure uh, that they understand uh, what they did or why they did it or 
we're not there to catch them, right? We're there to grow them, right? So that's important. And so it's important that we examine uh, ourselves before the Lord. And why is that important? Because the second observation that we see there is that it's possible to come to the Lord's table and celebrate it in an unworthy manner. Now, what does Paul mean by that? He's not talking about the person, him or herself, right? Because if we're honest, without the work of Christ, guess what? All of us are unworthy, right? So he's not talking, that, that word is not an adjective. It's not describing the person. It's an adverb. It's in the way that we are doing the Lord's Supper. In other words, it's possible for us to come to this time and take the Lord's Supper, celebrate the Lord's Supper in a way that actually dishonors uh, the Lord. And, and what are some ways that that can happen? So again, we're talking about examination, upward, inward, outward. Right? So sometimes people can take the uh, Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner because they, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is not just a church thing. Right? In other words, you don't come here to do whatever we're doing. Right? Uh, this is about, first and foremost, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so to take the Lord's Supper without that relationship with Jesus Christ means that you are taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So you have to ask yourself the question, have you ever received Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's between you and him. Uh, another way that we can take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is if we have unconfessed or unrepentant sin. And so it, it's possible to have our relationship with Jesus, right? That's forever done in Christ once we receive the Lord as our Savior, but have our fellowship broken, meaning that, that when we have unconfessed or unrepentant sin, that fellowship that we are supposed to experience with the Lord uh, can be broken. And so it, ask yourself the question, am I turning to anything or anyone else uh, to meet uh, the needs that only Christ can meet in my life? Uh, do I have unconfessed or unrepentant sin? Uh, you can also take uh, the Lord's Supper uh, in a way that's not uh, having the right attitude. You, you come to this and think, uh, man, we're doing this again. And that's the beauty of the scripture. It doesn't tell us how often it needs to be done. It just says, as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do it, right? And so some of us say, well, we got to do it every week. Some say once a year. The point is, as you do it, whenever we do it, we need to have a right attitude that this matters to us. This is important for us. If Jesus uh, set aside time with his disciples on the, on the night that he was going to be betrayed, and this was an important event for his disciples. And the Apostle Paul is bringing it to the church in Corinth. And here we are 2,000 years later. We need to have the right attitude. Uh, it's possible that we can take uh, the Lord's Supper with the wrong motives. Uh, what we're doing today is not the means in how we receive forgiveness of sin. Right? Uh, this is a picture of what Christ has already done. And so if you are trying to take the Lord's Supper and somehow trying to make yourself more right with God and this is the way that you're going to do it, that, that is not what this is intended to be. Uh, that is how we can take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Uh, the finished work on the Christ, cross is sufficient enough, right? Uh, the, the, another way that we can take it in an unworthy manner is if our fellowship within the body of Christ has been broken. So think about your fellowship amongst the body of Christ. If you're married uh, to a believer, start there. If you have children in your home who are believers, start there. If you have friends who are gathered, start there. If you, if you think about those within the body of Christ, if there's broken fellowship, either because you have not sought forgiveness for the wrong that you've done, or you've not granted forgiveness for the wrong somebody else has done, then we can take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Or if we're showing a favoritism. 
or we're having improper relationships with those within uh, the body of Christ. This idea of coming together, this gospel community is so important that when you look at 1 Corinthians 11 verses 17 through 34, this idea of coming together occurs five times. And that's what Paul is addressing. Paul is addressing the fellowship within the body of Christ. He says this in verses 17 and 18. He says, but in the following instructions, the Lord's Supper, he says, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it to be in part. And so Paul talks about division. So this, this, this thing of celebration, the Lord's Supper, what should remind us of the unity that we have in Christ, is actually causing harm to the body of Christ in Corinth. Why? Because the divisions, it means that they're tearing each other apart meaning they're coming to the Lord's Supper in an unhealthy way. And so Paul wants to reinforce the beauty of the body of Christ, the unity that we have because of Christ, and the importance of us guarding that unity that he says in verse 33. So, when you, my, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait uh, for one another. That phrase, wait for another, one another, means to welcome one another, to receive one another, to care for the needs of one another, to express deep love for the church. And when we choose not to come together, with that welcoming spirit, receiving one another, loving one another, forgiving one another, setting our interests for the interests of others, uh, then division can start to happen. And when we participate in the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We are expressing what everything that the table represents for us. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of restoration. It's a place of redemption and reconciliation. And why is that important? Paul said in verse 26, the first part, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. So every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are making a proclamation, right? We are proclaiming, we are announcing, we are making something known. And every time in the New Testament that the scripture talks about proclaiming something, it's always in reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to proclaim to one another and to the world that Jesus Christ actually makes a difference, right? That he makes a difference. It's the power of the gospel that reminds us that he and only he can restore marriages, restore broken hearts, distorted minds, right? He's the one that that heals the pains of this life. He's the one that breaks the chains of addiction, restores the hurts within broken relationships. And it's a powerful testimony to the world around us. Jesus himself said in John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You will also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so one of the distinguishing marks of the body of Christ is a self-denying love for one another. And that's how we make the gospel known to each other and to the world. And so during our time of personal prayer, as you think about this examination time, this, this inward, upward, and outward examination, uh, be honest before the Lord. Ask the Lord to expose into you areas that you are not being healthy as a disciple, if that be uh, within yourself or with the Lord or with those around you. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So that honest examination, Lord, show me what you see about me. Cause me to listen to what you have said. Cause me to trust in your ways and lead me into the way of blessing and satisfaction in you. And so we're going to take the time to just spend time with the Lord. Uh, Lord, we praise you for 
the greatness of who you are. Great in salvation, great in restoration, great in reconciliation, great in bringing the body of Christ uh, together. But Lord, during our time of examination, upward, inward, and outward, Lord, you are even great in exposing uh, the areas of our life that are not in line uh, with your will and your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that, and through the word of God that rebukes and corrects and restores us. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity to allow you uh, to examine our hearts and our minds. And Lord, where there is needed confession, let us confess. And Lord, where there is needed repentance, let us repent. And Lord, where there is needed repentance, uh, Renew trust in the finished work of Christ. Uh, let that trust be renewed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue our preparation for uh, the elements of the Lord's Supper, we're going to look forward with anticipation. Look forward with anticipation. And that's one of the things I love about the Lord's Supper, that there is a future, right? And it is beautiful. Uh, the scripture says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It reminds us that, guess what? Jesus is coming again. Praise be to God for that. And when he comes again, guess what? We're no longer going to need the Lord's Supper. Why? Because Jesus will be in our presence, right? We will be there with him, and we will celebrate uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb with all saints from all those from the past, those that are today, and those who will come in the future. And it's during that time we'll be reminded that in Christ and only in Christ are all things made new. And we look forward to that day. Revelation 21 verse 4 speaks of that time uh, in brief. Uh, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and the death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What a great day that'll be, right? And the reminder that we have during this time of celebrating the Lord's Supper is there is a future for us, and it is beautiful, and it is great, and that is where our hope should lie, that we anticipate the future to come, that we trust when that day comes, God will restore all things to how they are intended to be. Let that be an encouragement and a hope for us today. I love what happens in Isaiah 35. Uh, the prophet Isaiah given words by the Lord to, to encourage and to bring hope into the people of God. God's people are coming out of captivity from the Assyrians. And, and he reminds them in that chapter of what God will do. And I'm going to read uh, the entirety of this chapter just to give you a, uh, just a reminder of what God will do uh, for the people of God because of the finished work of Christ. And I'm going to make one adjustment in the scripture where it says shall. I'm going to use the word will just to reinforce it. And, and think about how creation will be restored. He begins in Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossoms like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And what we are reminded of in Romans 8 is, guess what? Creation itself is crying out for what? Restoration, right? And there will be a day where God's creation itself will be restored. The people will be restored. Verse 3, strength, strengthen the weak in hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute 
sing for joy. And back to creation, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt, haunt of jackals there will lie down. The grass will become reeds and rushes. And the people of God, again in verse 8, and a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not pass over it. It will belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they will not go astray. No lion shall be there, no, nor will a ravenous beast come upon it. So there's safety on this highway. They will not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And I love verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. What an amazing promise. Partly fulfilled in Isaiah's day. Partly fulfilled in the first coming of Christ. But fully fulfilled in Jesus' second coming. And so the Lord's Supper helps us continue to look forward to that day when we will be with him. And in looking forward in anticipation to that great day, it brings us encouragement and hope today. And it reminds us that we are not to focus on earthly things, but we are to set our minds and our hearts on things above. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen, nothing will ever separate you from the love of Christ. The scripture says in Romans 8, verse 35, you should, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Meaning, there's no problem that we're going to face that will separate us from the love of Christ. There's no persecution, no power, and no person who will separate us from the love of Christ. The scripture says in verses 37 through 39, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so as we go to a time of just personal prayer before the Lord. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're experiencing a season of being battered and bruised and it's been a long season. Let your future hope be fully in the work of Christ. Anticipate that day when that suffering that you're experiencing today will be no more. Let that be an encouragement today that Christ will give you everything you need in order to walk faithfully with him today. Let the presence of God fill you with great hope and encouragement today that though your circumstances may not change or may even get worse, the presence of God is the hope that you need to endure today. Lord, thank you for the living hope that we have in our resurrected Savior. Lord, thank you for the Spirit of God that gives us the capacity, the power, and desire to look for a greater future not in the things that we have done, but in the glorious and final things that you have accomplished through the finished work of Christ. So Lord, where we find ourselves today, or where we may find ourselves tomorrow, or where we have been in the past, Lord, let us be reminded that our hope, our anchor, is in you. And so Lord, we look forward every day in great anticipation of seeing our Lord Jesus Christ face face. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Amen. We're at our time now where we are going to now take the elements of the Lord's Supper together. And so if you would, uh, go ahead and get the elements out. If for some reason you weren't able to pick up one of these on your way in, uh, please uh, go to the front here at these tables, or we also have a table uh, in the back as well. And uh, we'll make sure to have the elements for you. If you have uh, young children that are also followers of Christ, again, this is the Lord's Supper. This is not the Charleston Baptist Supper. The main thing and the only thing that allows you uh, to be a part of this is that you are a follower of Christ. And, but if you do have young children that are going to be uh, partaking of the elements, please go ahead and get theirs ready as well. The way that you do that is just pull all the way down on the tab, push down on the tab, and that will expose a little clear tab there. Uh, in just a moment, we will uh, take the bread but I want to remind you again of the verses that we just looked at. I think it's important for us to put everything into context, and that's why we've done uh, what we've done this morning. And so I pray that it has prepared your heart uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper with the body of Christ. Again, the Apostle Paul, given these words by Jesus in verse 23 through 28, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And then again in verse 33, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And so at this time we're going to... Uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together by taking the elements. Again, the bread represents the death of Jesus for his people. Again, the scripture says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so at this time, let us take the bread together. And once you take the bread, you can pull up the final tab there. Be careful so you don't get splattered. Now as we take the cup, uh, we're reminded of the shed blood of Jesus, which represents the new covenant that we have and the grace of the Lord. And the scripture says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so at this time, let us take the cup together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that through this you have reminded us of the importance of just spending one-on-one uh, -on -one time with you. Uh, there is no, absolutely, absolutely no replacement in the follower's life than one-on-one -on -one time with you. There is nothing that replaces it. And so, Lord, we encourage uh, one another uh, to spend time, personal time with you. Lord, thank you for the body of Christ here at Charleston Baptist Church. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can look back and be thankful for all that you've done. Uh, Lord, that we can examine uh, inwardly and upwardly and outwardly uh, what the gospel is doing today. And Lord, we can live life in tremendous expectation and anticipation for the future hope uh, that we have ultimately in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.